Time out for humanity. Do you feel something is not right, but you don't know why? Do you feel depressed and overwhelmed? You're not alone. Take time out to reclaim your humanity at work, at home, and in your heart. Every episode, we chat with an expert to show you how. Ilya Filmis is an attorney and a partner at the Infinity Law Group, where he represents clients in employment, personal injury, and business matters. Ilya champions for the underdog, whether it be an employee who is mistreated in the workplace, a person who is injured, or a small business. He speaks fluent Russian and knows enough Thai to get a laugh out of anyone who speaks Thai. He received his law degree from UC Hastings School of Law, and his undergraduate degrees are from UCLA. Hi, Ilya. Hello there. How are you? I'm good.、Um, Is it safe to talk about one's own mental health at work? For example, sharing your mental health diagnosis with your supervisor, conversing with your coworkers about your psychiatric medications—is that safe? Is that okay? Well,、um, as many answers to. Legal questions.、Uh, it depends.、Uh, it depends on、uh, what state you're in,、um, and it depends on the size of the the employer that you work for, and it also depends on how accepting the the environment is of mental illness.、Uh, fortunately, there are. Certain laws that that cover the、uh, U.S. So,、uh, regardless of what state you're you're in, there are some protections that are provided under under federal law.、Uh, one of those protections is、uh, the right to be free of discrimination, harassment, or、uh, retaliation for. A protected class, and disability is considered a protected class so long as uh, the um, mental illness is one that substantially affects major life activities, and uh, therefore, um, if it is appropriate for You as an employee, or you feel like、um, it's important f- for you to share with your supervisor or coworkers that you、uh, suffer from a men- mental illness. Potentially, there are protections from、uh, being discriminated against on the basis of that mental illness being. Her- Harassed on the basis of that mental illness and being、uh, retaliated、um, because of that、uh, mental illness. So, so are you saying that it is perfectly fine to share your diagnosis if there is a need for it? But what if you, there? What if you don't know if there's a need for it? What if you are just You know, you you just want to talk about your 
mental health at work. Do you think that's advisable? Or you just want to tell people, you know, what you okay, let me give you let me give you a situation. Right? Um I have a depression diagnosis, right? And I think that it might be affecting me at work. But I'm not sure how I should share this with my supervisor because one, I'm afraid that he would or she would um, discriminate against me or give me less important work. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I get any accommodation that I could get from work, right? What would be a good way to, uh, what would be a good approach from the legal st standpoint to share this information with the employer? That's a very good question. Um, a good approach uh, from a legal perspective is to have um, requests such as that uh, documented. So um, a great approach is to, I think, um, meet with your supervisor, explain the um, challenges that you may have. You don't necessarily have to disclose that uh, you suffer from from depression. You can share that you have a a a medical condition and explain how it's impacting you at work. How it may make it um, more challenging to do certain aspects of the job. After having that um, that meeting, and and I should also add, if you um, feel that certain exceptions to the job need to be made in in order to put you on a equal footing and make it um, possible for you to do the job just like your your other coworkers are doing um, you in that meeting you should explain what those um, exceptions may be and in the law those are called accommodations. So in other words, if you need certain changes to your job responsibilities or to your your schedule, um, you can explain those to your supervisor in that uh, in that uh, meeting and explain to the supervisor that you will also be providing a note from your treating provider, your doctor, um, confirming that you do in fact have a, a, uh, a mental impairment and also explaining what accommodations you may need in order to perform the job. So um, after you, after you have that uh, meeting where, with a with a supervisor, where you notify the supervisor that you have a a uh, an impairment, you don't have to disclose what that impairment is. Um, and after you you have that 
meeting and in addition to disclosing the impairment you also explain that um, due to this impairment I uh, either cannot do certain aspects of the job or it's more difficult for me to do uh, 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 certain aspects of the job or um, in order for me to perform a job I, I need certain changes to the job. After you have that in-person meeting with the supervisor, you provide to your supervisor a note from your treating provider that that confirms those uh, things that you shared during the in-person meeting. So that note would essentially say that uh, you have a mental impairment and um, the note from the doctor does not have to say what that impairment is. So if you do not want to share that you suffer from, 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 from depression or another impairment, that note does not have to disclose your diagnosis. Um, if you're outside of California, that note should say that the impairment substantially impacts one or more major life activities. And that note from your treating provider should also say what changes are necessary to the job in order for you, the employee, to do the to to do the job despite your um, impairment or medical condition. What if the employer or the supervisor wants more information? Like they're like, no, I want to know why you cannot concentrate for three hours in a row. I want to know why you cannot stand for more than one hour and you know a day what 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 would the employee what should the employee do well uh they they should speak to an employment lawyer in their in their state uh in their in their respective state because typically the supervisor d does not have a right to know why it's none of their business. It's protected health health information. As long as a note is provided by a provider, a doctor who is f familiar with your medical condition, and uh, as long as the note meets the, the elements of the law, that's all that is required. Um, now, um, it doesn't even have to be a, a doctor. It can be a a a treating provider like a um, a nurse, or even um, in some states a a social worker, a a therapist. Uh, so it doesn't have to be an MD. It doesn't have to be a a medical doctor. It just has to be a a treater. Who is familiar with your with your health condition? So, once again, um, 
that type of information the employer is not entitled to. Now, what the employer may be entitled to is um, thinking of of alternative accommodations. So let's say the um, employer says, you know, even though your doctor's note indicates that um, in order to um, perform the job, you have to start um, at 1 p.m. And even though uh, the note indicates that you have to start at at 1 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, the employer can say, and what it's called is the um, interactive process. The employer can tell you, you know, hey, our business isn't open on Saturdays and Sundays. We we don't have our our doors are shut. There are no customers that are coming in on on Saturdays and Sundays, and for a number of of le- legitimate reasons, we can't open the business to accommodate your doctor's recommendations. Are there alternative accommodations that would work? So for example, um, instead of a start time of of 8 a.m., we can accommodate you by allowing you to start, let's say at 1 p.m. However, it needs to be done uh, different different days. So, uh, how how about Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday instead of Saturday and and Sunday? So while um, the employer is isn't in, entitled to um, the details of your medical condition or to ask uh, questions like why, 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 if um, there is um, and a, a, a different accommodation that is um, that is more appropriate for the situation. The employer has a right to engage in a good faith interactive process, a a dialogue with the employee to look at alternative accommodations. What what if? I told my employer, yeah, I, I have a med- I have a mental health impairment and I need these times to be adjusted. And all of a sudden I'm started I'm starting to get written up, get criticized. Um, how do I protect myself from discrimination having told my employer that I have a mental impairment? You know, I'm I'm very glad you you brought that up because I'm, unfortunately that's a common occurrence. Uh, what you often see is um, an employee request an in, innocuous, um, a simple accommodation, and after their supervisor learns that this employee has a mental impairment, uh, the 
relationship changes. And um, we've seen cases where the supervisor begins to treat that employee differently, differently than that employee used to be treated prior to disclosing the fact that that employee has a mental impairment. And unfortunately, it, it happens all too often. And it's um, critical for the employee to protect themselves. And um, the way they can do that is um, first get advice from a an attorney who practices in the field of employment law. And it does not necessarily mean that the attorney gets involved and calls the supervisor and explains to the supervisor what what the law is, but we have many calls where we counsel employees on how to manage and navigate challenging situations in the workplace without getting attorneys involved. Because the bottom line is it's in everyone's best interest and it's it should it should be in every, everyone's objectives goals to have a workplace that is a a collegial workplace that's free of har- harassment discrimination uh, retaliation and so um, oftentimes that can be achieved without a- attorney intervention and one of the ways that it it can be achieved is um, reporting the um, change in behavior or treatment from the supervisor to HR. And it, again, should be done in writing. Um, documentation is critical. So... Um, it's it's critical that um, HR knows that uh, you as the employee may potentially be the victim of retaliation, uh, harassment, and discrimination. And that should be done in writing. Of course, it can initially start with an in-person meeting with a representative from, from HR. Uh, but that meeting should be should be memorialized and and documented, and there should be some written proof that the uh, uh, meeting occurred. Does telling my best friend at work about the change of behavior from my supervisor count as documentation? Because a lot of people. They trust their best friend at work, right? But they don't necessarily trust and want to talk to HR. What would you say to someone who said, oh, of course it's documented. I talk to my best friend every day and she knows all about how they mistreat me. Yeah. You know, we all have a best friend at work. We all have our our uh, work uh, uh, wife or husband or partner, uh, as, a, as it's, as it's oft, often uh, referred to. Uh, I mean, in 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 my first job as a as an attorney at a at a 
at a sizable firm, uh, it's natural to become very good friends with folks at work and and sometimes um, you know you you share the uh, trials and tribulations of a of a, a job. Um, how however, um, relying on that is not a good idea because um, it, it's not um, it does not protect you from continued uh, har- harassment, discrimination, and or uh, retaliation. So it's important to complain to the proper the proper person or department. Uh, depending on the size of the of the company, there may be uh, you know if it's a, a large company, there may be a department within HR that only deals with these types of complaints, that only deals with complaints relating to uh, to to discrimination. Um, if it's a smaller company, there may be an, an office manager that, that does it all, including HR. Uh, uh, regardless of the size of the, of the company, um, you, um, in order to gain protection from the law, you need to report the um, actions that, that concern you to someone who has authority to investigate and to stop the behavior. Your best friend is gonna give you a, sh- a shoulder to, to cry on, but they, um, one, don't have the authority to, they typically, if they're in, in, in your same position, they do not have the authority to investigate and to take action. And um, there is no proof of uh, you documenting and complaining about this behavior. If you share it with your friend, your best work friend, over over coffee. Um, so it's important to notify the right person. Now, at very small companies, um, um, at at companies where your boss is also the the owner of the company, the CEO um, is at the at the top of the of the of the company. You have no choice but but to co- but to complain to your boss, and and the way to do that is you have them is, is you have a meeting and you let your boss know, you know, hey, uh, this is this is what. I I have I have noticed I have noticed a change in in the work assignments I'm given and in how I'm being how I'm being treated after I requested an accommodation or otherwise disclosed that I have a mental impairment uh, and then again you you memorialize that in uh, in uh, writing and you try to. Um, um, work it out with your um, supervisor or the or the owner of the company. If it's a, a very small company and your supervisor is the owner of the company, 
So even people that work in very small companies have rights uh, in terms of not being discriminated against. I, generally speaking, um, you know, it varies from 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 state to state, but you know, as a as a general uh, yardstick, um, employers with um, five or more employees um, are are subject to um, many of the of the protections in the law that that we've been speaking about. Okay. Now, let's say I have decided to take some time off from work, right? Accommodation is not working as you know it worked as well as I thought it would. I just want to take some time off. Um, maybe I get on some short-term disability, state disability. I have some sick time saved up, some vacation time sick, uh, vacation time saved up. What's the pro- a proper way to ask for time off or ask for um, medical leave? That's a, another question where, where the answer depends, and um, many a, attorney answers um, involve depends. Uh, but you know, and it and it depends on 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 state law. However, uh, the good news is is that regardless of state law, there is an overriding federal law that may give you protection in a situation like that. And that law is known as, as the Family Medical Leave Act. It's also commonly re- referred to as the F- FMLA. And the FMLA um, provides certain benefits under cert- certain circumstances. Um, now, the FMLA, it does not apply to, to every em- employer. Now, um, if you work for a company with 50 or more employees within a 75-mile radius, the FMLA applies to that company, unless your company is um, public, a, a public agency. And, and not every public agency, the, the, the law, it specifies the types of public agencies, and it also applies to certain educational institutions. So if you work for an employer that is a public agency or certain educational institution with less than 50 employees, the FMLA could apply to that um, employer. So it's, it's important to to consult with an attorney who specializes in employment law to verify whether the FMLA might apply to that employer. If the FMLA applies to your your employer and your employer is required to follow the the FMLA, the next question is is whether the FMLA applies to you as the the employee. And the FMLA requires that um, the employee work more than a a thousand two two hundred and fifty fifty hours in a one in in a in a one year period um, 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 
in 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 order to uh, benefit from from the F- FMLA, um, and that adds up to um, about five hours a day. You know, and I should I should clarify um, it. The it, you as the employee, in order to be be eligible for the FMLA, you need to have worked for at least a a, a year uh, for the uh, employer. So so if you've if if you've been there um, um, for less than a year, even if you work more than five hours a day, uh, you would not qualify for F- FMLA. Now, um, if you qualify for FMLA based on your length of, of, of service, based on the length of your employment, and if your employer, of course, is subject to the FMLA, if the employer is is either large enough or is is a is the type of public agency or educational institution that has to offer F, FMLA um, your job will be protected if you have a serious health condition and you obtain a doctor's note a a, a certification confirming that you have a serious serious health condition and your job will be protected for for 12 work weeks and what that means is that after your 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 leave is done you know uh, let's say you qualified for F- FMLA your company offers a FMLA uh, your doctor provides a um, a note, a med- medical certification that confirms that you have a serious health condition that uh, necessitates a leave of absence. And let's say the note said that you need six six weeks. You complete the, the, the six-week leave of absence, and you come back to work. The employer is required to put you in a comparable position. It does not have to be the same position. It's got to be a comparable pos- position. And, and, and by that, uh, you know, same pay, uh, similar duties, same title or sim- similar title um you know the the key aspects of the of the job need to be uh comparable to the job that you had prior to the beginning of your leave and so fmla it essentially provides job protection um if the employee uh qualifies for FMLA and if FMLA is provided by the employer. Now, let's say um, after your six-week leave of absence, you come back to work and 
you're still un, unable to, to perform the job. Um, you know, you thought that you were ready to go back to work. Your doctor thought that you're uh, ready to go back to work. But you come back and you um, are still unable to work. You go back to your doctor and say, uh, you know, hey, hey, doctor, I just I I cannot work. Um, I I uh, I do due to my impairment. I I just cannot work. I cannot perform the essential functions of the job. Your and your doctor provides another note. Um, you're able to take an, another six weeks of 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 leave after you get that note. So the 12 weeks during which your job is protected and the time period uh, that is allowed under the FMLA, that can be taken all, all at once or um, in different chunks over a 12-month period. So um, there is flexibility in how those 12 weeks are uh, utilized. Um, the FMLA also um, allows what's called inter intermittent leave. So maybe you need to take a week off every other week. And if that's what the certification from the doctor says, then, then, then generally speaking, you are entitled to uh, inter intermittent leave with with a cert with with certain exceptions. Um, and FMLA it it protects your job, but it does not in include pay unless uh, the policy of the of the company says other otherwise. Most companies don't don't provide pay when an employee is on FMLA. And that's why it's so critical to work with an organization like NIMSA to uh, navigate the, the, the complicated aspects of public benefits. Um, how do I get paid during my job protected leave of absence? So, um, you know, it's great to have job protection, but uh, it's also Im important to have some source of income that's coming in to allow you to um, uh, live, to to provide food and shelter for your family, um, and to focus on on getting better and and hopefully getting back to work sooner sooner than uh, later. And one of the great things about FMLA is that um, if the employee is on F FMLA. The employer is required to continue providing health benefits, health health insurance, to enable you to um, treat yourself and hope hopefully get back to work when 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 you are better. But um, let's say you you take a a leave of absence through the F FMLA. And you get health, health health insurance during your leave of absence, but for whatever reason, you um, decide that you that you can't come back. Um, 
or you don't come back because you've you found a different job that may be uh, more suitable to you and the challenges of your of your impairment. The employer is in is entitled to ask for a reimbursement for the expenses of of providing you you health insurance during your F- FMLA leave. So um, that's important to note. Um, now, one final critical th- thing to know is, let's say you ha- have the certification from, from a doctor, you present it to your employer and you ask for a leave of absence through the FMLA. And if the employer says, says no, we're not going to give you a leave of absence or gives you a hard time about it. Uh, many of us may, may be so up- upset, especially in a time when we need the time, the time off. So some of us may have the, the uh, desire or an Im- impulsive reaction to, to quit. You don't want to do that. Do not quit your job. Uh, if your if your supervisor, your employer is giving you a hard time about taking a F- FMLA, about taking a medical leave of absence, um, first of all, re- report it in uh, writing to to HR, or um, if there is no HR department to your boss's boss and if you're still not able you're if the employer is still refusing to uh to to cooperate with you um and allow you to take the leave of absence as a result of your impairment still do not quit you do not want to quit go ahead and take that leave of absence and speak to an attorney who is familiar with employment law because you uh, may have certain protections um, in that in that situation and you may have certain certain uh, claims that you can pursue against uh, your employer or if claim if the pursuit of claims can be avoided if attorney intervention can be avoided. An attorney can still help you uh, navigate that situation and can give you advice on how to um, get the leave that you that you deserve and that you are entitled to. What if I work for a small company, FMLA doesn't apply, or I have used up used up all my FMLA. And I negotiate a leave with my employer, right? My employer says, yes, you can take two months off. Is that agreement enforceable? Or is it just really up to the uh, employer to do what he pleases? Because there's no federal or state law that demand the the medical leave. That's a... Great question, and it's a and it's a common scenario because there are times when when twelve weeks is is not enough. Um, 
there it it's too too often the case that there that there may be um, such a challenging um, situation an impairment where where twelve weeks of of leave is not enough and the FMLA is exhausted. Um, you may be enti- entitled to an additional leave of absence. You may be entitled to uh, uh, reasonable accommodations at that point. So um, if the FMLA does not apply, if your employer um, is not required to provide FMLA, or you've used up the 12 weeks of, of FMLA, it does not mean that you're out of luck. You may still be able to take a leave of absence and have your job protected. It's a very case-by-case analysis, but don't feel, don't feel defeated. Do not give up. Do not quit. You may have protections under the the law. And that's another situation where it's essential to speak with an attorney who is familiar with employment law. Because if you're unable to take FMLA or the equivalent in your state, in California, it's called the California Family. Family Rights Act, uh, the CIFRA. If you're not able to um, take leave through one of these um, uh, ab- avenues like the F- F- FMLA, or you've used up your your 12 weeks, uh, there there are options. You may be entitled to a, um, extend your uh, leave of absence. You know, I I've seen. Leaves of leaves of absences that are allowed by the employer that last much longer than twelve weeks. I've seen six months to a year. Um, now it's important to know that a leave of absence cannot be indefinite. Uh, it cannot it cannot be indefinite because the law makes it clear that that's not reasonable. But uh, what is reasonable is case dependent. It depends on 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 many factors, and that's why it's important to speak with with an attorney who um, knows employment law and who can who who can guide you on the options that you have if FMLA uh, is not an option or um, or a uh, 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 was an option, but is is no longer an option. Thanks so much for your time today, Ilya. I have one last question for you before uh, we let you go. Um, you know, nowadays people are suffering from mental health problems more than ever in the United States. Yet our society is opening back up, and people workers are being asked to go back to the office. Some people have mental health problems and they are not ready to go back or they don't want to go back to the office. Do, they, do you think that they, sh- they should consider some of the options we talked about today, asking for the um, 
uh, accommodation or asking for leave under FMLA. Are, th are all those things available to them? That's a important and 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 timely question, and you you are absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> the um, the pandemic has has clearly had um, a significant impact on on society in many ways, in including people who suffer from. Uh, a mental illness. In some in some cases, it it has made it um, uh, uh, more challenging. Um, and in 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 uh, many cases, uh, for those folks, it may not be uh, possible to get back to work quite yet um, as a result of their uh, mental impairment, especially the uh, the uh, uh, worsening of the mental impairment that the pandemic may have caused, and the protections that I have discussed are absolutely available and applicable to um, the current situation in the uh, U.S. It's applicable to folks that. Um, need um, time off um, that may that may not be as, as a result of their um, mental impairment may, may not be ready to go back to work. The same uh, rules apply. Um, you need you need um, a treating provider to confirm uh, what what we what we previously discussed, but absolutely the F FMLA might apply. Your state's laws uh, may apply. Uh, reasonable accommodations uh, may apply, and the field of employment laws re relating to uh, to to COVID is constantly evolving. And there are protections in the law that are specific to COVID. And I think that those protections will evolve as our society evolves to a new normal. Thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. It's my, it's my pleasure to have been a part of your podcast. To learn more about Time Out and NIMSA, go to nimsa.me. Join our social media and continue the conversation on Time Out for Humanity. Let us know what topics you would like us to cover. <laughs>